We don't have to sing. Let's not. Oh, hello, gentle listener. Welcome to Hot Drinks. Before... I'm fucking drunk. God damn it. Like and subscribe. It is. This fucking app. So so what I keep forgetting is that I need to have the app already open. Oh, okay. Okay. Which, which is dumb, which is not 2020 technology by no, any means. No. This fucking app. And then later, <laughs> later enjoy our ad for Anchor, a sponsor <laughs> of Hot Drinks the Podcast. Um, I wrote I oh, wrote a, I wrote a song today while I was hiking. You did really? Yes. Just for, you... just for tonight's episode. Oh, you're going to perform it. Yeah. Is, are okay. you ready? Yeah. Should we like introduce ourselves first? Or do you want to just start with the song? Let's start with the song. Okay. Go for it. Here's, a, here's a, how it goes. COVID, 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 COVID-19. <laughs> how long was your hike? Um... I was in the mountains for five and a half hours. So that so. took you five and a half hours to write that? That's impressive. Wait, are you still there? What just happened? Can you hear me? Yeah. Could you not hear me? No. you. I I said that's impressive, and then I couldn't hear anything you said. Oh, God. Maybe, this... maybe the gentle listeners could. Who knows? <laughs> well, what I said was, for you... Um, was uh, it didn't take me five and a half hours. It just came to me at a certain portion. It was probably the magical portion. Of it, the prob- it probably was. It was yeah. probably the Holy Ghost telling you. <laughs> um, well, hello. Welcome to Hot Drinks. Hi. This is a podcast. Yeah. I'm Brother Jack Coffee. I Your am. Sis- Go ahead. Who, who am I? Your <laughs> sister, Latter-day Twain. I, I am. Yes. I, I just want to say to start out, I really miss you. Oh, my God. This is. The longest, I, I think it's the longest we've ever gone without seeing each other in what, like four and a half years? Well, and not even the fact that like, it's the quarantine. And so I'm not really seeing anybody. But obviously, your dad just passed away. And I'm so sorry. Um, obviously. And you have been in your own, you have been dealing with your own emotions and things. And so it's not like we haven't even been really talking or texting or anything much lately. Yeah. Nor have you been anyone. talking or texting with anyone. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. 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 And not that I'm not that I'm upset about that or anything. I just I just really miss you. But I also know like you just need to take the time to process all of this in all its many forms. I mean, my dad died like 15 days ago. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. It's not it's not even real yet. No, I know. When did uh, when did yours feel real? Oh god. Um God, I don't even remember. Okay. I feel like sometimes it still doesn't feel real, you know? Sure. Yeah. Because um, my dad, just so the gentle listeners know, my dad passed away, I guess it was about four years ago, mm-hmm. um, completely unexpectedly. Like, literally went to bed one night, you know, was super healthy, and then just never woke up the next morning. Yeah. Um, and I got a call from my mom. And anyway, I can tell that story if we want to, but just totally out of nowhere. Um like he was getting, I had his cell phone the next day and he was getting texts from people that were like, Hey, are we still going to meet for lunch on Thursday? Or, oh, Hey, did you ever yeah. get that uh, paper that I needed to get from you? You know? Cause like there was just no indication that it was, you know, that anything was happening. So anyway, yeah. good times, good times. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
before we say what our topic is, I mean, I don't even want to say how are you because it's like <laughs> such a dumb question. I mean, it's a dumb, I feel like it's a dumb question to ask anyone right now because life is just so <clears throat> weird and so disconnected and so like, like, un, like doesn't make sense right now anyway, mm-hmm. but let alone when you're dealing with grief and with death and with all of that horrible stuff. I can't even imagine dealing with that during this crazy time so i don't even know it's a lot yeah so do you have any women's work (laughs) that you want to cover um other than doing a five and a half hour hike today i did neff's canyon by the way i went up to the meadow and back down um was it helpful oh super duper helpful yeah good one Um, of the texts that i appreciated that you sent said i just want to hike all the time Oh, and yeah. I like that. I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, today, so while I was hiking, I was listening to Cold Mountain on Audible. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, I just need to live in this. I need to live up in it. Yeah. Up in this business. Um, up in this business. But uh, other than that, women's work is that. Uh, so. Uh, my mom was here. Yes. Um, we talked about that on last week on our last episode with Tisha. I don't know if you ever got a chance to listen to it or not. I have not. Okay. But we talked about, I've heard great things. We talked about me meeting your mom and about her introducing herself as mama Twain. Right. 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 Um, and then I just want to throw in this, uh, later that night. She was at my house still before going to her hotel room. Uh-huh. And we were in the middle of a conversation. It was just her and I, my brother who came from Oregon with his wife and their uh-huh. baby had already gone back to the hotel. <clears throat> and so my mom and I are in the middle of a conversation. And it was one of those points in the conversation where I knew I could get up and go refill my glass of wine and then come back and resume. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I get up to do that. Again, remember, we're in the middle of a conversation. I get up and say, I'm going to go refill my glass. And she goes, what did Brother Coffee say about meeting me today? <gasps> she said that? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what? She's probably listening to this right now, too. Oh, so. oh I'm sure of it. Um, but she just, you know, she just guns a blazing, like pulling yeah. out the big guns. And I said, well, he texted me uh, seconds later and said, well, that was absolutely devastating. And she goes, she smiled and goes, tell him that I'm glad. Okay. <laughs> and I went, and that's what I did. Okay, and I went and refilled my glasses, and then we resumed whatever. Like she's, she's glad that she made me like squirm. Yes. Okay. Cool. Great. (laughs) I mean, I respect it. Like I'm a parent. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I want to make my friend, my kids' friends squirm. So I get it. I wonder if you'll be that way when your kids are in their mid forties, though. You know. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) About a secret podcast that they haven't told me about. Well, um, we all know she hates me. So she, <laughs> so that must have felt good to her, which that, is fine. Like, whatever, you know, but, I, I felt really uncomfortable. And then 
and I said this last week too, then I felt really bad because I felt so uncomfortable when she sort of said that, that I just was like, oh, hi. And then I just got in my car and drove away. And I felt really bad that I hadn't said anything like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss or, you know, anything like that. Maybe she wouldn't have wanted me to say something like that. Like maybe that would have just bugged her because I don't think she cares for me very much. But I just felt, I so I felt like, I felt like shocked and then I drove away and then I was like, oh shit. Like I wasn't very kind in that moment. And I kind of hated that. But here's the thing. That moment was not set up for you to do that because you had texted me that you were coming over to drop off something and pick up something. Oh, I was dropping off alcohol for you Uh and I was picking up the patron gift, which we sent out. Yes. Um, you had texted me that, like, I'm on my way to do that, but I hadn't had my cell phone on me, and I was outside with... Uh, Your hot neighbor. What was my hot... Oh, he's really hot. He was really hot. Thank you! I mean, I'm sorry to have noticed that in the moment I mean... <laughs> of your grief, but what I did notice was your neighbor was hot. And his wife is, well, in non-quarantine times, I think I've mentioned this before, she's gone from 9 to 5, like, Monday through Friday, and he's home. Oh, okay. Okay. So I didn't notice his wife, as is my prerogative. Well, she wasn't there. She wasn't outside. (laughs) I was Um, like, I always notice the hot husband, frequently don't even notice that the wife exists. (laughs) And so I'm outside talking to my neighbor, and um, that I I ended up talking to my neighbor, who that was our second conversation in three and a half years, um, because I was outside walking around with my brother's little baby boy who i am up who is so with. cute yeah you oh should you should God. connect that baby i am obsessed with um and so because i couldn't give you a heads up like hey my mom's here so um and i didn't know she was going to be and even if i had seen your text i don't think i would have known she would have been outside on the phone when you pulled up yeah yeah it was very weird and like it wasn't about me so like whatever like i'll walk into whatever situation i need to but yeah when i pulled up i was like i saw you and then i kind of it took me a minute to kind of put the pieces together of who those people were standing on your lawn and i was like oh that's your brother like i've seen pictures of him in his forearms before and then i was like oh fuck that's your mom Oh, it's fine. It's totally I, fine. The and funny I know you're fine, but in the moment, it's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was a little weird. The funny thing, too, about all of this is that mm-hmm. I was bringing you a giant bag full of alcohol, <laughs> like several types of wine, some liquor, <laughs> uh-huh. like a lot of alcohol. And then uh-huh. you went in the house to get for me the patron gifts, which uh-huh. just for the non-patrons, just so you guys know, were some like little salt dough ornaments of a penis and of a vulva. Which uh-huh. you were going to paint, but then obviously all this happened, and so and you came to get them. So to I paint came them to get yourself. them so that I could paint them and send them out. So yeah. that <laughs> just add that layer on top that <laughs> your mother was there on the phone. <laughs> you were like, "Don't talk about the podcast," and then ten <laughs> seconds later, your mom's like, "I'm Mama Twain," and then <laughs> I hand you a big bottle of alcohol and you hand me a box full of salt dough penises uh, and vulvas. penises and vulvas, <laughs> <laughs> which I put in my car and then drive off to go home. It's too and much. Paint. It's too much. It was a lot. Uh, you guys, if uh, you want it, if you're not a patron and you want to be, and we know that right now is a weird time because a lot of you probably aren't working and money is weird and whatever. So no pressure, but you could get things like hand painted penises and vulvas in your mailbox. Your tree. Yeah. I, yeah. I just want to point, I just want to say, and I think I wrote this on the note that I sent to all the patrons. I got a little bit turned on when I painted all the penises and yeah. I purposely did. I tried to do kind of realistic 
but I tried to do all different skin tones, like colors, veiny, not veiny, hairy. Like I did a lot of things. <laughs> and then I did the same things with the vulvas, but I literally had to Google a picture of a vulva so that I knew. Because <laughs> I will say the penises were very much like drawn by a fourth grader. It was like a dick with like a head and balls. Like it was very, <laughs> it was very simple. And then the vulvas were very ornate with like layers. I mean, I guess that's how it goes. The penis is very simple. But, the vulvas. Yeah, not. that's how the cookie cutter comes. Yes. It comes with, with multiple labia. Yes. Multiple labia. That's how the cookie cutter comes <laughs> is the name of my one name man of, show. Your one man um, show. Anyway, um, they were much more complicated to paint, but I literally had to look up a picture so that I could tell like, what is labia? What is clitoral hood like it was complicated <laughs> but I hope the patrons that got those appreciated those I mean I am not an artist so they were not professionally painted but they were oh. lovingly hand painted by me while I sat on my living room floor lovingly watched something on Netflix I don't remember what and looked yeah. at reference photos of vulvas on my phone <laughs> I mean it's so easy to picture truly and I'm not, I'm not being sarcastic at all no it was it was a lovely moment and then um, I had to mail them all and it was lovely and enjoy your vulvas so other than um, my family visiting because my dad died, yo, um, um, I have stopped. I have ceased and desisted with cooking. Okay. No more COVID cooking. And okay. I'm cooking like a motherfucker. My kids won't eat it. In fact, can you hear a timer going off in the background? Yeah. That's yeah. because I'm making a birthday cake right now. Really unprofessional. I know. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm literally recording while I'm opening the oven and checking. To so see if I have just, I have just been apple paying my kids 10, 20 bucks uh, here and there so they can do uh, grub hub. Great. Because I degas anymore. Yeah. I get it. I mean, and the thing too is like, I mean, my kids are only here half the time. So I am very lucky in that regard as far as like cooking and things go. But like when they are here, it feels like it's all that I do. Like I yeah. make lunch and yeah. then I clean up lunch and then it's time for dinner. And then I make dinner, but yep. then the, the lunch dishes aren't done yet. So I pile the dinner dishes in the sink. And then when I get up for breakfast the next morning, I never switched them. Like, I just feel like all I do is wash dishes. Yes. So, yeah. it's Yeah, it's that rough. was that was about the first probably four or five, six-ish weeks for me. And then they they were, like, over it. I think they were eating it to be like, okay, we're we're in a crisis. So right. I'm eating, I'm, I'm going to eat this food. Um, and then uh, they kind of settled into a sense of normal, uh -huh. like the new normal. Uh -huh. And we're like, oh, uh, we don't really want to eat this. And we didn't in the first place, so. I will say you made some dirty rice for me early in the COVIDs and it was yeah. so good. Right? So good. I was listening to Cold Mountain and granted dirty rice is strictly a Louisiana dish. Right. I'm listening to Cold Mountain and they're describing like, and then we got up before the crack of dawn and we made biscuits and cornbread and da 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 da. And I was like, I just need, I need some home cooking, some yeah. Southern comfort food. That dirty rice was so good. There, You gave me enough of it that I like ate it for dinner one night. And then I think I ate it for breakfast and lunch the next day. <laughs> but like for breakfast, I like stir fried it with some eggs. Like I would change it up a little bit, but it was mm -hmm. so delicious. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. Do you have any women's work besides the. No, I mean, I'm cooking like a bitch because that's what I do. Um, okay. Today, I've, have you ever had a pastry called a Queen Iman? 
Of course. Of okay. course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> For those of you who haven't, they are a pastry from the Brittany region of France. Um, and I made those today. And it literally involves like making dough, rolling the dough out, chilling it, making a what's called a butter block, which is basically like a big thin sheet of butter, putting oh. it in the dough, folding the dough up, rolling it out, folding it up, rolling it out, yeah. folding it up, yeah. rolling it out, chilling in between, proofing, folding, proofing, rolling. Like it literally took all day, but they are in the fridge now for their final overnight proof. And then I'm going to um, I wake up at like five in the morning before I have to go to work and bake them tomorrow. So oh, mama, I can't wait. Yum. I'll bring you one. I would love it. They're oh. so good. Fuck well, I don't know. Good. I mean, they're so good when other people make them. I don't know if they're so good when I make them, but we'll find Remains out. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Remains to be seen. So now, like, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of friends who I, like, Marco Polo with, and they'll be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry I haven't Marco Polo'd you recently. And I'll be like, it's fine because nothing is changing. <laughs> like, every day is exactly <laughs> the same as the day before. <laughs> so um, oh, no. I am working a little bit, like, at my actual job. Um, we're starting to prepare for reopening coming up soon so i have been actually going into work which has actually been kind of fun um but otherwise no like i'm just home i'm it's the last fucking week to do homework with my kids and both tisha and i are like we are fucking over it (laughs) like i'm gonna be doing some english homework for my son just so he passes english and i don't care no wow because then i don't want i don't want to have to deal with him trying to make it up next year so if i have to write like an essay i'm gonna do it so Everyone can judge me all they want, oh, but this bitch right here ain't gonna judge. So, can I just say know. this about schools, and then we'll move on because it's the most boring topic. But <laughs> I feel like the schools came up with the solution when we thought we were closing for two weeks. They were like, "Oh shit, we're gonna be closed for two weeks. Let's hurry yeah. and rally. Let's send some some work so the kids can stay busy and kind of stay engaged with the subjects when they come back to school in like early May." the teachers can like help them get caught back up and like re you know help them you know figure all this stuff out but then suddenly we weren't going back to school and so we just kept doing the same thing and I don't blame the schools because this is unprecedented but like literally my you know my ninth grade son I think Tish and I talked about this last week is like trying to teach himself French because he's in a French class and he has been doing one quarter of the of the school year at home and it just seems like you can't just teach yourself French. Like, that's why you're in a class, you know? Right. Or my daughter yeah. is trying to teach herself, like, fifth grade math, which is not easy, you know, is complicated. And, like, and the teachers are super willing to help. And I'm, you know, again, I'm not saying anything bad about the schools, but I think we made a plan when we thought this was going to be two weeks, and then two weeks turned into eight weeks, and we just thought, oh, well, we'll just do the same plan yeah. instead of just saying, like, you know what? Kids can't teach themselves French at home. We just need to end. We just need to end the French class. Like uh-huh. no more French homework needs to be sent yeah. home. So anyway, I, I can't even imagine it. And in normal, and in normal pandemic circumstances, I could have helped the ninth grader because I had years upon years upon years of French. Right. But uh, but no. This particular pandemic we're going through, as compared to others, has been kind of tough for me. <laughs> yeah. So. Some of the other pandemics have been easy. This pandemic has been particularly hard for you. So, yeah. Like, what the fuck? Okay. So, let's introduce our topic. Do you want to share what it is? And then we'll yes. take a break and then we'll start. We're going to, we're kind of doing a top five today, which we haven't done for a while. So, you will hear, we have, you will hear a little bit of a flavor of, 
uh, Jesse Pinkman in the way that I say this because I have been marathoning Breaking Bad for the first time. Nice. Top five grief things about our dads because they died, yo. There it is. Let's take a break. We'll be back. Bye. Did you make it back? I may, I'm back. Oh, wow. How are you? How was the pandemic on your end? It was fine. Um, You know, I, uh, the usual turn the oven off because I've been making that cake, you know, and then, and that was about it. Whose birthday, by the way? It's my, my youngest birthday tomorrow. Oh, um, let me guess. 11? Yes. There we go. She's 11. So I have to, um, I still need to frost the cake and I still need to wrap all the presents. And yeah, got to get all that done. In, in normal, in a normal pandemic situation, I might be able to help you with that. No, but not in this pandemic. <laughs> okay. So top five. Things our grief done taught us because our dads <laughs> died. Yo, is that what it was? So what it's, it's basically, it's like just the like top five things that came to your mind specifically to your situation yeah and specifically to mine yeah okay what's your number one my number one so because um it's only been 15 days which means his funeral was hang on one two like 10 days ago four yeah like 10 or 11 days ago yeah um and i am mostly swimming through like a soup of what the fuck it's the name of the soup i don't know if you know that so delicious Um, and and there's no like one straightforward emotion i'm not going through like this like stereotypical yeah uh, hollywood uh my parent died heartbreak right yeah um if anyone really does but um so what i did was i will just tell you of a time where it felt where I felt grief okay uh I mean I I, I'm getting a little wordy here because I don't even know how to articulate what I've gone through but you're fine my number one is when my mother called on I want to say it was the Wednesday before my dad died. So my dad died on a Saturday morning. So I was, did you, when your mom called, did you know it was something about your dad? Cause obviously your mom doesn't call you very often. Right. Um, no, I didn't. And so I didn't answer it. And I thought she'd either text or leave a voicemail. And uh-huh. also this does not happen. This, right. she has not tried to call me in, in months and vice versa. Um, <clears throat> and then she called right back after I didn't pick up that first time. And then I knew. Okay. Uh, and she said, um, y- your dad has been in the hospital in um, a geriatric psych ward to treat his aggression and violence. And then she went on to tell me about three, I believe it was three different episodes of violence towards her. Uh-huh. Um, and then she would explain that he, he, she would watch his rage wind down to a point where he realized what he had done. And 
the second and third time he was begging her, please remove me from the home. Please put, please send me somewhere before I really, really hurt you. Uh Um, So he was in the geriatric psych ward being treated for aggression. uh, And she said, he has had to be medicated so heavily that his psychiatrist said that he is not eating or drinking. And the reason she heard this from the psychiatrist is because she had not been with him. He had been in a hospital up here in Salt Lake and my mom lives in Southern Utah. How long had he been up in Salt Lake? Um, I'm fuzzy on those details, but not okay. even two weeks. But you didn't know that he was in Salt Lake. Right. Okay. But not even two weeks. So she said in the phone call, uh, the psychiatrist says because he's not eating or drinking that he's probably got three to five days. Jesus. And so I cried. So that is a time that I cried. Uh-huh. And so far I can count those times on three fingers because I cried yeah. three times. Yep. Three fingers for three times. Yep. Um, and, um, and I don't know if this is what she was doing, but um, she was driving and, and talking to me and it was FaceTime, but she kind of, well, I, or she was at least sitting in the, her car. I don't know if she was driving, but it was FaceTime and she was kind of looking out and talking to me and not looking at the phone. And she would glance back at the phone every once in a while. And um, at the point where I'd started crying, she glanced at the phone and did a double take and then looked really closely at the phone screen and went, uh, okay. Oh. And I don't know okay. if that was like, oh, okay, you look like you were crying and now I look, I've looked closer and now I can see you're crying. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it was just weird. Strange. It was very weird, yeah. weird strange to me. Um, uh, because I knew uh, I'd known that phone call would come. And yeah. uh, even though you're ready for it, or you think you're ready for it, you're never really ready for it. So that's my number yeah. one. So my number one is surprisingly similar. <clears throat> um, the way that I wrote it down was just that grief has its own timetable. Mm. Um, so just really quickly, and I won't get into a ton of details, but basically, like I said, my dad's death was very unexpected. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I had pulled up at work one morning, so it was probably about eight thirty, nine o'clock. And my phone rang and it was my mom, which was very odd for her to be calling me in, you know, first thing in the morning. So I picked up my phone and I said, I was like, hey, what's going on? And, and she told me that my dad had died in the night. And I was like, who's there with you? And my oldest brother had come over. So he was already there. And I was like, okay, I'm on my way. So then I went to go get one of my other brothers who works in downtown Salt Lake, kind of close to where I was working at the time, I went to go pick him up so we could drive down together. And I remember on the way to go pick him up, I pulled over and cried for about 10 seconds. Just like, I just had to stop and kind of like let the emotions like churn through me. Yeah. So I got my brother, we drove down there. Um, We arrived at my mom's house I assumed this had happened hours before. I don't know why. I assumed this had happened at, you know, my parents are very early risers. So I assumed that she had found him at six in the morning or something, that this had been hours before. But we pulled up at the house just as the, um, the like, 
what are they called? The morticians got there to take his body away. Okay. So I went in the bedroom where he was. So I saw his body before they took him. Um, Anyway, so they took him away. We were there. The family came, blah, blah, blah. Um, I immediately went into like, like taking care of people mode. Like I changed my mom's sheets because he had died in the bed. And so I changed her sheets and washed them. And then I was like, my dad was a Bishop. And so, and they, my parents have lived in the same ward for 40 years or something. So I was like, people are going to start bringing over food. We need to clear out space in the refrigerator for food that people are going to bring over. Uh So I started going through the fridge and like cleaning the fridge out and throwing away old expired things, which they had so many old expired things. It was terrifying. But like, I just was on like, like I just was on like caretaker mode. Like yeah. that's the only thing that I could do. I was cleaning the fridge. I was wiping it out. I remember at one point I made eggs for someone and like, I don't even remember for who, like probably for one of my sisters or someone's kids or something. And I made like the most beautiful scrambled eggs I had ever made. Like I <laughs> gently warmed the butter and I, you know, um, <laughs> so I was very much in this just like functioning, like get shit done mode. Um, and then I didn't cry for like three weeks and I, to the point where I was really starting to think something was wrong with me that I hadn't cried about it. I had that one cry, you know, five minutes after I found out when I pulled my car over and just like cried like really hard for 10 seconds. And then I did not cry again for three weeks. I didn't really cry at the funeral. I didn't really cry at the memorial, like nothing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I just, I learned that like grief just does its own thing and it doesn't care. And you, and, <laughs> but really like the emotions, like some days you feel totally fine. Some days you feel knocked over by a tidal wave, you know, or some hours you feel totally fine. Like there's no pattern. There's no logic to it. There's no, um, there's nothing about it that makes sense. No. It's just, it's, it is like being thrown into like the open sea with like waves crashing around and you're just like at the mercy of the waves. Yes. You just have to kind of like, you just have to get kind of slapped around. And I think that feeling like kind of continues for a long time. Like obviously like with time it gets easier. Like I don't feel as emotional about my dad's death now as I did then. Although still certain things will happen that will make me cry. But it's just like, there's no control over those emotions. Um, and that was very evident, like right. from the get-go, yeah. that, that I was not in control of this situation, uh-huh. that I sort of just had to ride the wave. <clears throat> what I said when I uh, ran into a friend doing errands um, and told them, you know, of course they were like, oh my God. And I was like, look, whatever part of your brain tells you that you're doing okay during trauma or a crisis is working really well. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's like, I, for me, that's like the best way to describe um, uh, those first few days for me. Um, but like you said, it's not linear. Yeah. And then that part of your brain will need to take a break. And that's when yeah. the grief is like, oh, hey, hey, girl. Yeah, that's when you fall apart. Yeah. 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 So anyway, do we want to go into number two or take a break? Let's let's do number two and then let's okay. take a break. My number two, <clears throat> again, just going off of basic what grief, quote unquote, looks like. Um, I uh, when my mom 
called me um, on Saturday morning. So I, and I didn't see my dad. Side note. I didn't see my dad in the hospital. Um, yeah. The day that she called me, she, when she was still in Southern Utah, I got in the shower and got dressed and went over there to see if they would let me see him, thinking they'd probably say no because of the virus. And they did. Right. They said, no, no one's coming up to the geriatric psych ward. And I get it. They're all high risk. Yeah. Um, and uh, she gets into town the next day and she gets to spend some time with them. And she makes a video that she sends to me and my brother and my sister. There's just, so a- she was able to go in the room with him, but no one else was um, at first. But then because I think because they knew my dad was declining rapidly, uh-huh. they were allowing visits. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so uh, she sent a video of, of herself and my dad um, saying hi uh, to my brother and my sister and myself. And uh, and I knew I didn't want to see him like that. Yeah. From the video. I couldn't even watch the video. I got about maybe four seconds in and I was like, oh, I can't do that. I, was he like conscious, like awake in the video? Yes. But like his lids But were very medicated. Closed. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very much like someone who was near blackout drunk. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, and I was like, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. Um, and because of what I had already gone through with him in the fall of 2018, which I have not processed yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, and you, by that you're referring to the time where he was like living with you. You were spending a lot of, I guess he wasn't living with you, but you were spending a lot of time with him, like going to movies and, and yeah. taking him out to dinner and yeah. just spending a lot of time with him as he was sort of, as his Alzheimer's was starting to sort of take over right and it wasn't even again it wasn't even that as much as his medication right 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 even then so uh my brother came into town the next day and he got to visit i still was not in a place to visit um and then saturday morning so i got my mom's initial call on wednesday saturday morning uh, she calls a little bit after 10 o'clock and she said, Ashley, are you dressed? And I was like, that's weird. A weird question. Um, yes. I mean, I was just in my pajamas and she goes, okay. Um, dad's gone. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) My God. (laughs) She said he passed about 20 minutes ago. And the nurse said that, um, they we'll wait to take his body away. If you want to drive up here, I told them you only live like 10 minutes away. If you want to see his body before they take him. And in that moment it was, um, make a decision quick. Yeah. And so I threw on some real clothes and, uh, drove to the hospital. Uh, not, crying but in absolute devastation i ran a red light and almost got hit i almost got like jackknifed oh my god um and uh i walked into the room where his body was like just his hospital room um 
And I just saw it out of the corner of my eye and I walked straight to the window and I was just gathering myself for a minute. And, um, then I turned around and looked at his body and I was like, just a few seconds and was like, I can't, I can't, I, I gotta go sit out in the hall. Um, and then I waited for my brother to come and then waited for the people to come in and, and take the body. And, um, we didn't stay for that. In fact, the nurse was like, okay, it's time for you guys to go. Because I guess she didn't think that we should see that, which is, and she said this, they're going to put him in the body bag now. Oh God. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And my mom was just fine. Not staying for that. Um, not to say that she was just fine in general. Right. She was fine being ushered out and we left the hospital. And um, uh, and then the rest of the day, I kind of spent with uh, my brother and his wife and their baby. And I was just in a great mood. Good. Yeah. Grief's weird. Yeah. <laughs> It's one crazy day. So what's your number two? Um, So I feel like our, I feel like so many parts of that story I can relate to before I say my number two, just like the, the, the feeling that you just have to make decisions really quickly that you're not prepared to make, you know? Yeah. Like, like I said, when we arrived at my dad's house, they, the, the morticians were just getting there to take the body. Mm -hmm. Um, And, but as we were driving, as we were getting closer, my brother was saying to me, do you think they've already taken the body? And I was like, Oh, for sure they have like, you know, mom and dad, they get up super early for sure. This all happened like an hour ago. Um, and then I, but then, and I remember saying to him, like, if they haven't, I don't want to see the body. Like, I don't, I can't do that. Yeah. And then I pulled up at the house and they were there and I immediately went into his bedroom. <laughs> like I just, like, it was like I had said I was going to do one thing and then I just did something totally different, but they, but they said the very much the same thing to him. Like, we're going to take the body now. So you should leave the room. I think it's probably not like the most graceful process. You know what I mean? Sure. Cause the body is probably starting to stiffen up and like, it's probably a little fumbly and awkward. And like, I'm sure they do it with as much like dignity and respect as they can, Right. but, but it's I'm cumbersome. sure it's cumbersome and I'm sure it's not, the last image that you want to have of your parent or your spouse is them sort of being like fumbled into this like big bag, you know? Nope. 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 Um, So the second thing that I wrote was just about certain emotions that grief brought up in me. Number one, I was really, really glad that I had come out before my dad died because I had not come out that much, that much before my dad died, maybe a year, year and a half before. I don't remember exactly, but I was really grateful that I had done that because I remember just thinking like it would have just eaten at me if I had not been honest with him about who I was before he died, because it also kind of allowed me to see like how he reacted to it. And he was always very loving and obviously like it was confusing for him and, You know, he came from a different generation and he had a very, you know, strong belief in Mormonism, but like, but he was always very supportive and very accepting. And so I'm grateful that I got to see him be that way towards that part of my life. Awesome. Um, But also really sad that then like he doesn't, he doesn't get to see me live 
whatever else my life becomes, you know, if I get married again, or, you know, if I fall in love or, you know, whatever, like he'll never get to see those things of like me. And, and those things might've been complicated and might've been difficult for him. And there might've been tension and emotion with all of those things, but I felt really, I still feel really sad that he won't ever get to see me like be in love or, you know, get married or whatever, whatever my future is bringing or becoming an alcoholic while watching Netflix. Like he won't get to see any of those things. And that's makes me sad. Yeah. But the one thing that was really, really weird that I remember thinking is I was kind of envious of my Mormon siblings for their belief in Mormonism during the like whole funeral thing, because they just felt seemed so like comfortable and reassured in a, in a weird sort of way uh-huh. that I didn't feel. Yeah. And, and I felt a little bit of like jealousy of like, Oh, I wish I had that sort of like assurance that they have, even though I don't, even though my belief has evolved since then. And I don't think, I don't think that, I don't think that Mormons have any sort of monopoly on communion with the dead or communication with people who have moved on or whatever. But like in that moment, I remember thinking like, God, I wish I had that. I wish I still believed that because it would be so simple to just think like, oh, he's in a better place. We're going to see him again. Right. Because they believe it. So they have that that self-created comfort. Yeah. Yeah, I but I do remember saying to my siblings, because obviously we had a big funeral because this was not during the quarantine. I remember just saying to my siblings, if one person says to me, he's in a better place, I'm like, I will punch them in the face. <laughs> and, and no one did except one woman came through the line from the ward. And she goes, he just had a, a, a much more important mission to serve on the other side. And I think I literally went, oh, geez. I'm like, turned around and walked away. <laughs> and there was, you know, I have a lot of siblings. So there was a big line of people. So it was kind of easy for me to drop out and for other people to kind of talk to her. Yeah. But in my head, I literally was just like, oh, geez. And I just like walked away because I was like, I don't want to hear this bullshit that he had something better to do on the other side. So good for you. Yay, grief. <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's end every segment saying, yay, Yay, Greece. (laughs) Okay, see you in a minute. I am having such a good time. Oh, I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) Gentle listeners, Brother Coffee texted me in between segments just now and said, you holding up okay? And that was very sweet. I just, this stuff is all, like, I still get emotional talking about my dad dying. And he died many years ago. So it's not, just a lot. Not you know? many. But, yeah, but you know, like, like four years ago. Compared to my ago. 15 days. <laughs> yeah, comparatively, it was a long time ago. <laughs> a lifetime. Um, um, guess what not... I'm drinking, by the way? Oh, what was that? Crystal Light. <laughs> uh, not... By itself? Yeah, it's not alcoholic. Because you are... Doing self-care? No, well, I don't know. I've, I did have a drink earlier tonight, but like the problem with the quarantine is I have, is either I drink so much, like my tolerance is so high right now that if I want to actually get drunk, I have to drink like a significant amount, like a ridiculous amount of alcohol, which is just not good for me or not good for my waistline or my liver or my bank account. <laughs> Or I just like drink like three drinks over the course of the night and they do nothing. And I'm like, why am I drinking all these extra calories 
they don't even affect me. Like if I just have one drink, it has zero effect on me. So, right. so I did have a drink earlier, but then I was like, I was going to make a second one. I was like, no, cause I'm not trying to get drunk. I'm just going to have some crystal light. So that's what I'm having. I nice, believe. cold, refreshing crystal light. Yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by crystal light. <laughs> just kidding. I wish. Um, I was having before this a Coke Zero with tequila in it. So oh, delicious, delicious. It was. How are your liquor stores holding up? Well, I'm not going crazy every night, but I'm pro- okay, I'm having uh two glasses probably a night. Okay. Each, each with a heavy pour, like okay. not a, not a restaurant pour. Okay. Yeah. Um, how's that snow angel? Oh, I have only been, I have only sipped that a little bit. It's I, so I, good. I don't want to sip it arbitrarily. Yes. Because it's special. It's so good. Anyway, <laughs> we love Snow Angel. Oh, okay. So do. what's your number three thing that Grief Dunn taught you because her dad's died? Yo. Well, shit. So, okay. Number three um, is that um, the second time I cried uh-huh. when I felt the grief. Um, was after the 15-minute COVID-19 funeral service, God. I went up and touched his casket, uh-huh. which was closed. It was a closed right. casket. Um, and I just thought about how his body's in it, and it's never coming out. Yeah. And I thought of those cliche things like his big um, burly hands and his hugs. Yeah. And um, anyway, I'll just stop there. That was a very, it's a very quick number three. I have to say, and we don't need to get into it a lot because obviously I know it's really emotional, but like, I am so sorry that you had to have this like bullshit COVID-19 funeral that was like very perfunctory, very, very small. Like none of, like I could, I had several friends of ours message me and say, is there a funeral? You know, is there a service? And I was like, I don't know. And then when I, you know. And then when I found out, like, there what, there is one, but no one's invited. You know, like, no one's right. coming. It's not, like, a traditional service. Uh-huh. Um, that That is, that's awful. That is really, really awful. And I think that is a really <clears throat> awful, horrible part of this pandemic that we maybe don't recognize. Because funerals are for, funerals are for the living. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. funerals are a time for you to say your goodbyes and to I don't know to just sort of like come to terms with the fact that that person's gone and to have people that you love that also love that person come and tell you that they love you and you know like it's a communal moment of like grieving and healing and I just think it's like unconscionable and like unimaginable that people are that people like you are going through these times and it's just like this quick 15 minutes Badoom ba da, like mm-hmm. thing. It's horrible. I can't yeah. even imagine. Uh, so I'm really sorry. Yeah, they. Uh, I I guess I'm assuming because. I I'm assuming that. For 
veterans, they would have someone from that branch of the military come to play taps. Uh-huh. Um, but they were not doing that because of the virus. Right. All that was a, a no-go. Well, and this was, I mean, even though it was only 15 days ago, Utah now has moved on to like code orange. Like we're, or no, we're code yellow now. So we're like two steps away. Like we've already gone through, like we were code red before and we were, then we went quickly through code orange and now we're code yellow. Yes. So now I think people like groups of 50 can gather, I think is the new guidelines, but at the time it was still code red. So it was still like no more than six people, you know? Right. Yeah. So there was no, I mean, you, your mom, your brother, his wife, like that's four of the people, you know? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you can't really invite a lot of other people. Right. But, um, and so, uh, before they folded the flag that was draped over his casket, um, the funeral home representative, and I know you know this already, and some of the listeners already know this, um, just played taps on his cell phone. And only those of us sitting on the front row, even though, there wasn't anyone there. I mean, but me and my mom and my brother were sitting on the front row and then his wife and the baby and my kids behind there. And then uh, my son's girlfriend and my very best friend um, from high school, only the three of us sitting on the front row could hear the taps. God. And then he put his cell phone back in his pocket and they folded the flag the two funeral home representatives and um i i know that guy did that as a as a kindness like i know and i know his heart was in the right place when he was like playing taps on his cell phone but there's something so just like bleak and awful about that Mm -hmm. like i don't think he did i don't think it was malicious on his part or like insensitive like i think he was trying to do something that he thought was meaningful yeah in in an impossible circumstance but when you wrote that on and when i read that i was just like oh god like that's terrible yeah so and there's more there's more too about all of this that i can't even digest yeah but one day, one day. I'll That'll be a future episode and yeah. a future therapy session. <laughs> What's your number three? Uh, my number three is just that grief is a sneaky, sneaky bitch. Uh-huh. Um, and that it sneaks up at the most unexpected times. I remember about a week after my dad died, maybe two weeks after my dad died, I was going to the gym and my gym, you had to take an elevator to get to the gym. And I walked into kind of the little lobby in the parking lot where the elevator was. Mm-hmm. And someone walked in who was wearing shoes that looked like my dad's shoes. Like they were probably some like dorky, like New Balance sneakers or something. <laughs> yeah. And I <clears throat> lost it. And I had to like run out of the like elevator thing to my car because seeing those shoes was like so triggering and so emotional for me, you know? Or I remember like a year, probably a year and a few months after my dad died, I was, one of my sprinklers broke at my house and I had to fix it. And I would just remember being so pissed that I couldn't call my dad and ask him how to do it because my dad was really good at that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like digging this big hole in my yard and I was trying to figure out how to fix all these pipes. And I remember I was just crying and I was angry and I was just like, 
you know, he should be here to tell me how to do this. And it's bullshit that he's not like, it right. was just, so it's just, grief is just a really tricky. I mean, it's like we said at the beginning, like it just comes and goes at really unexpected times and really surprising times. Uh-huh. Um, and it's really hard. Yeah. You know? So yay, grief. We <laughs> yay, grief. Uh, we should move on to number four. Let's do it. What's your number four? My number four is, <clears throat> okay, uh, on my hike today, uh, there were some, there were some points in the hike when I turned off my books that I was listening to on Audible. Um, and during one of those times, um, something hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't cry, but, and, and. and I feel like I always have to qualify. Like, even though I felt this emotion, I wasn't crying. And I don't know why. But, right. Um, and, and then I kind of went down a succession of thoughts. But the first thing is that the biggest, uh, for me, personally, for me, personally, for me, for me, Sister Twain. Uh, for who? For, for me, for okay. me, okay. In the global pandemic that's touching all four corners of the earth, um, something I can't reconcile. Um, that is very difficult for me to dwell on. Is that my mother opted to not have his body embalmed? Yeah. Um, and me asking so then did they say like what will happen to his body if you don't embalm it and without missing a beat she goes it'll it'll bloat at first and then just rot okay and so i and that that was my reaction too like you know move on move on don't think about it don't just yeah, yeah, move yeah. on move on um and then that led to a thought of as we were, you know, the funeral service ended. Uh, my mom said her, uh, delivered her eulogy and, and she did a great job. And when it was done, she said, and does anyone else have anything they want to say? And that hadn't been mentioned that any of us, you know, nothing was, we didn't sit down and plan this out, right? right. My mom said, and we all just figured it's a COVID-19 funeral. Like, right. it's going to be A, B, C, and D, and then all done. And uh, it didn't occur to me that I could contribute to the service, which it just didn't occur to me. Right. If it had occurred, I would I would have gone. Oh yeah, I guess I could I could contribute to this if I have something that I feel like I want to say. But it didn't occur right. to me. Everything was so maddeningly surreal. Yeah. And so when my mom said that, I thought I would have loved to have sung something, even a cappella. Yeah. Yeah. But I, in the moment, I was just like, no, I'm good. I guess. I mean, you could have whipped out like solid, like a rock or something. You know what I mean? Easily. But it wouldn't have been appropriate for the setting. Yeah. Like if you needed to do, you know, like a, 
like a Taylor Dane song. You could have done that. I could. And I without preparation. You could have been like, let me get, let me pull this up on my phone. Hold on. But in the, but maybe in the moment that wasn't appropriate. <laughs> right. Um, and so, and then that thought spiraled to how at that moment, uh, well, whenever the service ended, I can't even remember the succession of events um, <clears throat> within that 15 minutes. There was a lot packed in. Um, but whenever it was over, we all just kind of got up and we went to our cars. My mom was going to grab some food and head back down south. And my brother and his wife and baby were going to come back and hang out until because they weren't leaving until um, that evening. Uh, and we're getting in the car and I realized, oh. We, we didn't stay for the actual, like, burial. Yeah. It wasn't brought up. It wasn't mentioned or anything. And there I am watching my dad's casket with his body in it that was not embalmed, being wrapped in chains and picked up by the, like, the, the tow truck thing. The back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that they could drive it over to the plot where he's going to be buried. And I thought for a split second, oh, I could, I guess I could stay for this. But I was not in the headspace to go, okay, guys, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. I want to do this. Yeah. Uh, at all. Ugh. So... A lot of difficult things to digest that I kind of went down a rabbit hole with today on my own. Yeah. So that's I, my number four. I'm so glad we're doing this like fun, funny episode for people again. But <laughs> I, like I said earlier, like so much about for me in my experience with my dad's death, so much of my grief was about those days after he died where I was like with my siblings, we were planning things, we were doing things like we were, you know, planning the dinner and, and, and planning who was going to sing. And like, and there's something really healing about that process of like going through all that, even though it's also incredibly weird because there's the whole like funeral industrial complex where you're, you know trying sure. to choose a casket and you're like well this one is five thousand dollars and this one's eight thousand dollars and it just seems insane you know like so it's all very weird but like there's something i don't know there's just some time in that that to go through yes but, and i just hate that you didn't get that right. you know you didn't get a chance to say yes i'd love to sing something because there was no discussion of what right the service was going to be because there was no time or there was no you know, there was no like big service with the whole ward and with all the neighborhood and you know whatever or whatever, whatever. Whoever, yeah. whoever. Are yeah. you making some nachos? <laughs> no, I'm eating some movie popcorn that I picked up from curbside pickup at Megaplex. Every time I see the ads <laughs> for curbside pickup at Megaplex, I think Sister Twain is so grateful for that. <laughs> oh, bitch, Grubhub that. Oh, I didn't did. even go to get it. I'm sure the Grubhub driver was like, go where and get what? <laughs> Anyways. Remember that was going me. to movies? Isn't that wild? Totally. 
Like you could be just sitting next to a stranger. I'll never do that again. <laughs> anyway. What's your number four? My number four is I'm shocked and continue to be shocked at how physical grief is. Oh, how tell much me you more. feel grief in your body. Great. Great. Um, wait to hear this one. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I have anything really insightful to say about it, but like there is a physical process of grief. There's pain and there's tightness and there's emotion. And those things like the one year anniversary of my dad's death before I woke up that morning and before I even had the conscious thought, this is the day that my dad, you know, this is the one year anniversary of my dad's death before I'd even thought through that. I felt it in my body. Like my body felt pain and felt discomfort. And I was probably awake for, you know, whatever, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, why do I feel so weird today? And then I was like, oh, shit. It's the anniversary of my dad's death. And I will say, like, I don't, that has certainly dissipated over time. Like, I don't feel it as strongly. But particularly the first year, on any sort of major, you know, the first Christmas, the first birthday, the first whatever, all those awful firsts uh-huh. that you go through the first year after losing someone, I felt those things like physically in my body. Wow. Like as pain or discomfort or just feeling unsettled or whatever. And I never imagined that grief had that component. In my head, grief was an emotional, you know, you cry, you're sad, you miss the person. But I never thought of it like that grief is like physically painful, but it is, or it was, at least it is for me. You know, I would have a similar experience where I would feel this weird physical pain um, and not understand why. And, um, uh, and it would happen during general conference and it, that pain would start right before Boyd K. Packer got up to speak. Really? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, this is weird. And then they would announce him and I'd go, oh. That's why. <laughs> I, I sensed it. I sensed him coming. <laughs> My dear brothers and sisters. <laughs> Should we take a break? Let's take a little break. Yay, Yay grief. grief. Grief, anyone? <laughs> good that was good that was a good intro thanks 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 thanks, thanks. um thanks, while thanks. while we were on the break and i was taking the cake out of the pan so it could fully cool mm-hmm. i was just imagining you at the funeral and and mama twain saying does anyone else have anything they want to say and then you saying i would like to perform solid like a rock <laughs> then just pulling it up on your cell phone and being like because it's solid <laughs> Solid as a rock. But here's the thing. I could do it and just sing it really slow. You're solid. (laughs) Yeah. And full of Just a real dirgy. Yes, like a funeral dirge. I like it. I could even do it like a monk. And full of (laughs) I'd like to sing the old Catholic hymn, Solid Like a Rock. (laughs) The Rock of Jesus. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, Peter was the rock of the church, so maybe there is an old Catholic hymn called Solid as a Rock. 
Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. There's one. There's one called Rock of Ages, which I, I don't think is Catholic. It might be. I don't know. But there's also a Def Leppard song called Rock of Ages. I think it's Protestant because the Mormons sing Rock of Ages. I don't think the Mormons would sing anything Catholic because they hate the Catholics. And they wouldn't do anything based on pagan, pagan no, rituals. Not at all. Not at all. Or, or Masonic. Or Masonic rituals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. Uh, okay. Number five. <clears throat> so, um, my very best friend, who's been my very my best friend since we were 15. We're just like two months apart. Um, uh, her name, her, <laughs> we've called each other lovey since our first sleepover together. And it was because we were watching an episode of Bewitched and Richard Dawson. Was he, yeah. the, was he the guy from uh, family feud? Yeah. Richard Dawson wa- was a recurring character on that show. And he walks in the front door in one scene and goes, hello, loveys. And she and I died laughing. And from then on, I have been lovey to her and she has been lovey to me. And her kids know me as lovey and my kids know her as lovey. Um, so my friend. That's lovey, adorable. I, thank you. So my friend lovey came, literally dropped everything and and agreed with her work because she works at a nursing home to come home from visiting me for my dad's funeral and self-quarantining for 14 days so for 14 days she's going with no pay oh my god i know uh because it was that important to her it should be here for me. Uh-huh. And of course I'm thinking, you know what? I'm probably going to be fine. Yeah. Don't do, don't even do that. Yeah. Um, and she wasn't hearing of it. And it wasn't until she left that I realized a, how much I needed her here and B how just different it was to uh, the energy was just different. I, I, it, after she left, I realized how not myself I was uh-huh. with Lovey, with this person that I've known longer than even my ex-husband. And, uh-huh. Is he uh, gay, your ex-husband? Uh, yeah, my gay ex-husband. That's oh, okay. That's I just wasn't sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, but um, so I basically what I'm trying, what I'm getting at is. After she left, I realized the whole time she was here, I was in a grief state. Yeah. And that was an interesting litmus test, right? Like this person that you're always a certain way with because you have your, your old inside jokes and yeah. your familiar energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it was after she left that I realized I wasn't myself. Oh, weird. <laughs> <laughs> You know, weird. <laughs> I was in a grief state that whole time. Um, and uh, so that's my number five grief thing. That's it. I'm so glad that she did that because I know at my dad's funeral, there were people that showed up that I didn't expect to show up. Like even just like cousins that lived really far away, uh-huh. you know, that I thought like, oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fly to another state for their dad's funeral, you know, like, sure. just like, but, but like, 
or like old friends that I hadn't seen for a long, long time, but just kind of heard through the grapevine that my dad had passed away. Like there was something like so powerful about having those people there. And so Uh, I'm really glad she did that for you because I think that's really important to just have people around you and just, and, and I think it's really important to show up for people even though I'm sorry I didn't show up and come to your dad's funeral. I apologize. Uh, it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, but yeah, when she was getting ready to leave town um, the next day, um, <clears throat> well, the day after the funeral, um, I looked at her and I looked, I looked her in the eye and I said, probably besides my ex-husband, uh, and of course, you know, your parents and siblings, but other than those people who are obligated to do those types of things for you. Uh-huh. And when I say other than my ex-husband, I mean, my ex-husband in the ex-husband state in the state of his, be- of him being my ex. So, uh, I just said, no one has done anything like this for me. Yeah. And the look on her face was like. This this was a no brainer. This wasn't yeah. like like something like I was concocting to do this. Like a big sacrifice it. or a big right, right. Yeah. I mean, it was a big sacrifice, but it was a. It was done without consider without thought. Like, yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, that's it. That's just a quick. That's a quick one. That's a quick number five. That's all right. Um, my number five is just that. I have learned through my grief that now I get to decide what relationship I have with my dad. And that kind of goes back to that feeling of the funeral at the funeral of feeling a little bit of envy for my siblings who still believed in Mormonism, that they have this sort of like really convenient thing to kind of lean on. And obviously like it was still hard for them, but they had this kind of anchor and that, and obviously like, my spiritual journey is still ongoing and it was ongoing then, but it was in its earlier stages and I've learned something since then. And I just really now believe that like the energy or the spirit or the, whatever you want to call it of my dad is around when I need him to be around, you know, and there are times not super frequently, but I think especially earlier on where I would talk, I would just like drive in my car and like have a conversation with him. And I would, and I would talk about things that I probably never would have talked to my dad about were he alive, you know, things about my dating life or things about, you know, things that I was insecure about or things that I was just things that like wouldn't have felt super comfortable having a conversation, you know, cause my, my dad and I had a good relationship, but we were just very, we were very, very different people, you know, just and kind of our political views and the way we saw the world and, you know, And so just, there are just things I wouldn't have talked to him about. Not that, you know, but whatever. Um, Or I know, like, if I'm ever trying to think of an example, but like, if there's a time where I'm really trying to manifest something or work through something in my mind or my emotions or whatever, or I'm really wrestling with like something metaphysical, like, I really feel like I can call, like, I have certain angels in my head that I can call on. Like again, angels, presences, spirits, energies, whatever, whatever right. you want to call them. Yeah. But there are but there are four or five individuals 
that are my guardians that I can call on in those really difficult times. And he's one of them, um, which is something that he wouldn't have even agreed with when he was alive. He would have been like, you can't do that. That's not a thing. But, and so, but like, and so, but there's something really beautiful and peaceful about the fact that like, that my, that I get to define the terms of my relationship with him in, in whatever the afterlife is like, whether, whether that exists or not, whatever, I don't know. But I just think like, there's a real freedom in, in my, my love and my relationship for him not being bound up in, in any sort of rules of any sort of organized religion. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Cause I think there's a, I think especially like within Mormonism, there are rules of like, you know, who like spirits can only visit with permission and they have to, you know, only visit people they have authority over, you know, like (laughs) there's kind of these rules there. And so I think like, it makes it easy to say like, oh, well, he won't be able to come and visit me or he, you know, or whatever. And I just don't care about any of that or think about any of that. I just think if I need my dad here, he's here, you know, and if I need to talk to my dad, I can talk to my dad. And if I need, if I need to call on his strength in a difficult time, I can call on that, you know, and and it's unbound by some weird structure that some, you know, person made up or whatever of like who gets to talk to spirits and who doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. like I, it just can be whatever I want it to be. And I, and I find a lot of like peace in that. And I find that like, I can go months and months without talking to him or calling upon him. And then I can, and it's no big deal. It's just like, oh yeah, I can do this. Like, this is a resource I have. So I'm really grateful for that. Like, whereas that was something that was scary for me at his funeral, because I thought like, I don't know, I don't have something I'm leaning on. Now I find that as a place of really great, like peace that I don't have, my relationship, my relationship with him does not have to be does not have to exist within the bounds that someone else defined and said, this is what your relationship with someone who's died has to look like or what they're allowed to do or what you're allowed to do or whatever. I could just be whatever I want it to be. And I like that. I love that. I love that. And I am looking. Yay. Grief. Yay. Grief. I am looking forward to, to that, to being, uh, to having the bandwidth to let that in and just talk to him. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I have decided, um, I'm 90% sure I'm going to do this, um, but I'm always allowing 10% for not doing things right now. Um, right. Uh, June 5th is the next full moon. Uh-huh. And I think I've said on here before that my, the parents might, the house my parents built, which is the house that they, that my mother lives in right now is right on the property line of the Red Cliffs Desert Reserve. And you can see the Virgin River from their front door. I think I'm going to go down um, for the full moon on June 5th and make a fire and camp out and kind of allow, like do this to give myself space to, to feel things that that yeah. have been just kind of below the surface um, because I haven't allowed them to come up. Yeah. Um, and so then we'll probably do a whole episode about that. Yeah, probably. I think that's great. No, we won't do an episode. And I think, again, you know, I, I also acknowledge the 10% permission to not do that. Yeah. But I do think, for me, those types of moments have been really 
really powerful and really healing. Awesome. Awesome. Like when my dad died in February um, and we decided as a family, the next holiday, December to go um, to, we just wanted to do something different because we didn't want it to feel you. We, we were trying to just change things up. So his absence wasn't so prevalent and so we went as a family to um, Puerto Rico and like stayed in this house together or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we ended up not being able to go over Christmas. We went over New Year's. So we, we, I think we flew like the day after Christmas and then we, we were there over New Year's. And on New Year's Eve, I, <laughs> I drank all day. Like I was just drunk the whole day. Mm-hmm. And then New Year's Eve night there was like this big kind of balcony behind our house and we all went out there as a family and my brother was reading um was reading a text message my dad had sent to all of us the new year's eve previous which was like a month before he died but obviously at the time like we didn't know that and i was with my kids and i was just like i mean that i think is one of the times where i have cried the most about my dad's death and it was you know, nine months later on New Year's Eve, like almost a full year later. Right. And I just cried and my kids were there and they were like holding me and like, it was a really beautiful, like cathartic. And I was with my siblings and I really love my siblings and we really get along and, you know, and it was sort of the end of the, you know, it was the last day of the year in which he had died. And anyway, all right. There was just a lot of emotion there, but I do think that there's like something really powerful in finding those things that make sense for you where you can just sit and like, let that, um, like where you're not worried about like, you've got to go to work the next day and you've got to take care of this and you got to do that. Like where you can just kind of sit and let the emotion just like wash over you like a tidal wave. Yes. Yes. Whatever that looks like. Right. So, yeah. Wow. Remember when we started this like funny podcast about our funny lives and about Mormonism and about people coming in our eyelashes and and like I just feel like the last like <laughs> ten episodes have all just been like so heavy <laughs> and such downers. So thanks, gentle listeners, for sticking with us on this journey. Now to give them a hint of what's coming you and i discussed having a series of episodes yes with couples who um most of which are ex-mormon and have opened up their marriage in in some way yes um or ex other because i do know one couple reached out to us who is was another very conservative religion and has since left that religion and kind of opened their marriage so yeah but wasn't wasn't necessarily Mormon, but yeah. So that will be super interesting. And I think because of COVID, um, you and I will have to take turns hosting. Yeah, because we're not smart enough to figure out how we can like have three people in three locations <laughs> on one recording. We only know how to do like two people. Yeah. So it may be like me interviewing a couple and then Sister Twain interviewing a couple. We don't right. know. We're still figuring it out. I wonder, but I do want to okay. say a lot of couples reached out to us because we put something out on Instagram and just said, hey, if this is your situation and you want to tell your story, let us know. A lot of couples have reached out to us. And I would just say, like, if you are a couple who has reached out to us and maybe we have not responded or I'm, I've tried to give like at least a little brief response to people like, oh, great. Sounds awesome or whatever. But like, 
just know we got all the messages. Obviously, like Sister Twain is, you know, doing her own thing right now and not necessarily responding to messages on Instagram. And I'm trying to keep on top of things. So, you know, the messages have been received and we will definitely be reaching out. And if there's anyone else listening who is in that situation who would be interested in talking, then send us a message. Yes, please do. But yeah, that's the plan. We're going to start working on that, allegedly. Yeah, and, and we're still on a two-week schedule for now. Yeah, for now. Um, I mean, dot, dot, dot. I, I, I don't, I can't even get into what the future is going to look like because it's going to be a nightmare. Because yeah. states are opening up. And, right. and the only reason states are opening up, folks, is because the hospitals have room for you now. That's yeah, the only for your, reason. For, yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Did you see not we don't need to get into this too much, but did you see the story? So Georgia was one of the first states to open uh-huh. up. And I was messaging a friend of mine and just was saying, like, it just makes no sense. Like the CDC is in Atlanta, you know, like the Center for Disease Control. <laughs> and like, and we were just talking about like, and also like a a lot of the population of Georgia is is black and this this disease has like disproportionately hit black communities Mm -hmm. and 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 black people um and so we were just messaging about that and like how awful it is and what are they thinking and blah 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 well it just came out today that georgia was lying they're saying it was like a mistake but they were basically they were basically like when they were showing the numbers of covid cases they were rearranging the dates so that it looked like the cases were dropping so it'd be like here's the numbers from March 24th. And then the next day would be like April 2nd. And then the next day would be March 21st. And then the next day would be March 20th. So they were putting the, the number of cases in a different, not in a chronological order so that it would appear as though the, the, the cases were declining. And of course they're like, Oh, it was an error by our reporting agency and it's been fixed. It was full on like lies and manipulation. Oh my God. So oh that, God. like, we could, you know, so that people could get haircuts and we could... So people could have their freedom. Yeah. So, anyway. Yeah. I... If if this quarantine has taught me anything, I just cannot... I literally can't even think about tomorrow right now. You know what I mean? I just have to think about what's going on today. Same. Because, like, you know, like, I was talking to my son about, yeah. you know, we've got to get all his classes done. So it doesn't fail because if basically what the school has said is if they fail, they'll just mark them incomplete and they'll have to finish it next. Like when school starts back up in the oh fall. But I was like, I was like, I don't even know what school in the fall will look yeah. like. Like, I don't know that we're going to be putting 30 kids in a classroom again, uh, you know, yeah. and shutting the door for them to take French too, you know? Uh-huh. So, so I just like, I, it, the, the vast amount of uncertainty of what the future looks like has made it so that like, it doesn't even feel worth like speculating about because it like anything could happen. Christ. So maybe that's good. We're living in the moment more or something. I don't know. Freedom costs a buck. Oh, Oh, that, that classic song (laughs) freedom costs a buck. Oh, (laughs) five. I love that. And on that, I actually, I actually have a playlist just called buck. (laughs) Oh, five. It's just like, the, who who sang that originally? I, the name's escaping me. Are you serious? Uh, no, no. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just trying to tell a joke. 
So it's just them, the original singers, the Bucko Fivers, and then just everyone who did a cover of that song. <laughs> it's so it's just a, a whole, whole playlist. Up, I think you can have up to 50 songs, so. Yeah, so it's a whole playlist just of just of people singing that old classic. <laughs> Freedom is a Bucko Freedom Five. Freedom costs a Bucko Five. Costs a Bucko Five. I wasn't even saying it right. <laughs> I don't even but know yeah, if I I am. love that one. Anyway. All righty, let's wrap it up. Okay. Um, so yes, follow us on Instagram, hot drinks. You can email us at hotdrinksforthebelly at gmail.com. Like I said, if you are a couple who was formerly Mormon or formerly in some sort of religious conservative way, and now you're not, and now you're fucking other people, <laughs> we want to hear all about it. We, we're um, going to, we're going to broadcast you. We're going to ask a lot of awkward questions. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, kind of hint that I want to make out with the of husband. Of course. Yeah, that, that's, that goes without saying. This is how it's going to go. And Sister Twain wants to have sex with both of yes. you, probably. Ideally. I did, I did, I think I said this last week, but just when, when you, when I pulled up to your house the day that I met Mama Twain, and you were talking to the hot neighbor, you said, can I, can I give you a hug? And I said, yeah, is that okay? And I, and you said, yes. And so I gave you a hug. And while I was hugging you, you said, isn't my neighbor hot? And I said, yeah, is he married? And you, and you said, I don't care. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that because you were in a grief state. I then. don't remember saying that, but that sounds But you just said, like isn't he me. hot? And I was like, yeah, is he married? I don't, I don't care. care. And I was like, fair, fair. <laughs> never, never been a problem in the past. <laughs> So anyway, yeah. my marriage is well. Over. I love you and I miss you, and I'm sorry we only get to talk on this goddamn podcast. I, know. I miss you too. Well, um, okay, yeah, yay, grief. Okay, we're we're gonna get together soon to uh to do a live stream and watch together the new Ben Platt live at Radio oh City Music Hall performance. For, I hope he sings my favorite song, Freedom Cops of Bucko Five. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I might rather watch a live stream of Nickelback. Okay. Okay. Well, this <laughs> faggot will be there <laughs> on the front row, okay. probably crying while Ben Platt sings some lovely songs with his beautiful voice. Okay. I'm happy okay, for love you. you. Thanks. This is, this is what, this is all you have. This is all this I is have. This is all you have. So I'm not going to knock ben it. Platt. Thank you. Talk to you guys later. Okay, bye everyone. We love you too. Okay, love bye. you too.